Welcome to the FemiPod. These are conversations about females for everyone to listen to, learn from and engage with. Brought to you by your Femi founders, Esther Kewen and myself, Lydia O'Donnell. Welcome back to the Femi Pod. This is episode number 29. Thank you so much for tuning in with us weekly. As always, I have the amazing Esther with me today. We are going to chat a little bit about what we've been up to recently as per usual. And then we're going to jump into a little bit about searching for external validation, why females specifically feel this need to search for external validation and how we can work through that from both a real life perspective as well as a digital perspective but before we jump into things Est how are you how's the last couple of weeks been? I've been all right I think you already know everything but I yeah I just getting back into running slightly you know COVID's really knocked me back so I had a trip to Auckland where I was going to run with the Bays Babes my running group and yeah I pretty much ran one of the nights and my heart rate was really really high and I just felt really terrible so I stopped and called the run short and then I ran tried to run the next morning lasted 18 minutes before my heart rate was like in the 160s again and I was you know for myself I was plodding and I was like okay yeah that's not normal so I went and took days off and went to the doctor and got my blood done so yeah they came back all good with no inflammation markers and so I've been running still but I had another bad run today so yeah I just felt a bit off and like breathless so it's a journey uh I'm definitely getting relatively over COVID and the experience but it's also taught me lots you know I think Liz keeps telling me, reminding me to take away expectation. And it's true because there's COVID is different to an injury or I don't know, uh, yeah, an acute injury or chronic injury. You can quite often know when you're going to come back and, you know, what you can do to get there. Whereas literally COVID is like day in, day out is different. You know, I ran like 65 minutes the other day, I ran 13 Ks and I felt good. My heart rate was good. And then I ran today and I last 17 minutes and I was full of hope prior to running so yeah just getting through that uh has been has been challenging but good for me and I think all in all it will make me more grateful when I can run properly again again I've just come to the realization you know and I've heard all these stories about people that push too hard and what happens from that so I know that I'm just not going to be one of those people uh because I value my health more than my running uh, so yeah, I've been going through that journey, which has been uh, a good journey for me. And yeah, I'll be grateful when I'm back. How have you been, Lids? That was a really long-winded. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good. I think it's good to understand, like, and let the listeners know where you're at when your own journey, because there's probably so many people who are going through the same thing as you and me um, at the moment. So yeah, I'm very similar. Like, just still coming back very slowly from COVID. I would say this week will definitely be the best week I've had since COVID. And I think it's been about six weeks since I was diagnosed and tested positive. So I will be running some big Ks this week, but still not feeling 
A hundred percent. I did get my iron tested. I'm not sure if I'd mentioned this before, but I did get my t- iron tested last month and it. I only recently got the results back uh, and my iron ferritin is at 20, which is pretty low for a female athlete. So for those listening who may have iron issues, usually a female athlete should sit around 50 to 80 is like pretty healthy. Um, you definitely want to be above 40, but they say for a normal person, you should be anywhere between 20 and 200 but I have had my iron down to three before. So yeah, I've suffered from low iron for my entire life. I do have quite heavy periods. And I think that is probably one of the reasons why I have low iron, which is um, frustrating, but definitely something that I try to work through and manage as much as I can through supplementation. Um, but yeah, I'm feeling okay coming back slowly. It's nice to run some big Ks, but I still don't feel quite like uh, myself. So I'm, I'm getting there, uh, trying to, again, like get rid of that expectation to feel like a certain way every single day and know that we are on this journey. And as much as I miss racing and like being in a training block to build up to a race, I'm trying to be patient and just think about the long game and think about races that I can do at the back end of the year or even next year versus like forcing myself to get fit enough to race anytime soon. So frustrating, but we're getting there. I do have a bit of an experience that I'd like to chat through, which happened to me in the weekend, which I would love to hear what the listeners think about the situation. And I think a lot of us have probably been in similar situations that involve men and involve the way they make us feel, especially when we're out running, unfortunately. And this isn't to bucket men as a whole, but I've definitely experienced this a lot in my lifetime. And just in the weekend, I was out training. I was going for a run up a mountain with my boyfriend and we got to the top to enjoy the view. And there was another, there were two men up there. And one of the men said to my boyfriend, oh, you've got a nice view on the way down. Make sure you stay behind her. And it just felt so disgusting like at the time it it all happened so quickly I didn't really realize what he meant until I'd probably stepped away from him and a second or two later it clicked what he was trying to say and I just honestly felt violated and sexualized and I was just trying to go for a run with my boyfriend um and it was just so uncomfortable for me It, it really stuck in my mind for a good couple of hours after and I just didn't feel I don't know. I felt violated. It wasn't nice. And I know like that's on top of a mountain. I just think about the comments that are made to women when they're out running on the streets, especially through the cities. Like I've had a guy follow me around in a car before when I was in Melbourne, that was quite creepy. It's just unfair that we have to deal with these situations that make us feel really unsafe. And so I'd love to hear from the listeners around your experiences and your stories if you have had any experiences like that and what you do in those experiences or what you suggest to do. Yes, I know you've probably suffered from the same sort of unfortunate experience. Like, What are you doing in those situations? I think you summed it up really well in the moment of like it happening almost like a shock. And then I think that's probably how I, when that's happened to me and like someone said like a comment, you almost don't, quite get it straight away but you know something's wrong and then it takes too long sometimes for you to kind of click and then in a moment where it would have been awesome to say something back you almost don't because you didn't you didn't quite catch on or you kind of I guess didn't understand what was being said and how gross and creepy it was so like for me in those situations quite often I freeze uh I think uh 
one that really stands out to me is actually really pretty gross. Uh, I was running with my sister in Cornwall Park when I was quite young and she was young and this guy came out and he flashed himself to us. So he showed us his private parts and we were really young. And my sister, which I, I am like, look back at this time and I'm like, man, she's so cool. Such a badass. She was like, put that away, you disgusting scumbag. Uh, how dare you do this? And like yelled at him and was like, we're, you know, I think I was maybe six or seven and she was like nine and she was screaming at this guy. And I was like, damn, and he like, that's, that's so cool. And like really strong, but it is, you know, yeah, for me, I, I've had moments of shock where I don't know what to say as well. I know one of our things, Liz, was if someone said something creepy, we'd be like, we'd do the sarcastic thing back. We're like, oh yeah, that's awesome. Like, what's your number? Like really so into you right now because you're being an absolute creep. So that was one of our <laughs> ways to like deflect. But I mean, yeah, I think in the moment it is quite hard to find a voice, especially if you're frozen and not quite understood what's been said. And I think you even you summed it up really well there but if you have the confidence in yourself to say something and you feel safe enough to do so say something but I think the other thing that sucks is like the safety aspect like is you calling them out going to put you at risk as well yeah just taking taking a step back and making sure that you're in a safe situation to say something back uh, is really important which sucks you know we should be able to freely say you know you can't speak to me like that but if you know you're alone and you're with a man and you feel unsafe then you have to assess each situation as it comes mm. really it not cool definitely one of those situations where like one minute after it happened I just regretted so badly not saying something back to him like I wish I had said something to him but I just it was so late like my boyfriend also didn't realize until later like what he was trying to say and then I was like oh that is just so disgusting and uh I just wish I could go for a run up a mountain in my running gear and feel okay that people aren't like perving on me or sexualizing me it's yeah. inappropriate and it needs to change and yeah I think speaking up is the best way to do it but you have to I guess for females we have to do it in a way where we feel comfortable and safe in the environment that we're in when we say things so yeah let us know your thoughts we'd love to hear from you the other thing we wanted to briefly chat about before we get into the pod was uh, Lydia Ko being in the media recently about the situation where she brought up her period, which we obviously love. Uh, she was interviewed after a tournament that she was playing where she placed third. And we know Lydia Ko is a badass and extremely good at golf. Um, and I think she was slightly disappointed with placing third. And she talked about her um, physiotherapist having to come out and work on her back because she I think her words were it's that time of the month and she was suffering with some back pain and the amount of media the amount of articles I have seen about the fact that she mentioned that she was on her period is crazy and just shows like how much people still think that talking about your period she didn't even say the word period but talking about your period is taboo and uncomfortable for so many people and Honestly, I think she's had more media about the fact that she was menstruating than has even had about her playing golf and how amazing she is as a golfer, which blows my mind. Yeah. What do you reckon is like, are you for or against the fact that there's been so much media about her talking about a period? Like, I think it's good that it's out there and it's being talked about because it kind of shows, you know, in that moment, that guy literally had no idea what to say to someone 
who's literally on a period that 50% of the world gets and it's how you have, you know, how you have children. It's, it's got, it's just so integral as being a woman and it's such a normal bodily function, but he can't even respond with anything, you know, (laughs) like, I think that just shows that there's still way too much stigma around periods and it being you know a really taboo topic but I think the media yeah it's good that we're talking about periods but it shows we're still so not at a point where this is okay and she should be getting more media about her successes and her being an awesome person and all these things she's doing rather than her being on her period and it reminds me of Paula Radcliffe I think she had that um, interview as well when she broke the world record and she was talking about how she was on her period and she obviously breaking the world record, you're going to get a lot of media anyway, but quite a lot of that spotlight was taken away from the fact that she spoke about being on her period. And that was one of the biggest topics of that moment as well. And it just shows, yeah, there's still a long way to go and we need, we need people to become more comfortable with this. It's very normal and it shouldn't be a topic where someone doesn't know how to respond and freezes. <laughs> yeah. He literally <laughs> laughed, I think, and said, thanks. <laughs> Yeah. Like condescendingly said thanks that she mentioned she was on her um on her period which yeah it's just inappropriate and hopefully things change in the future but I love that she spoke out and she spoke out as though it was completely normal which it is um in a really relaxed manner and good on her I think that is exactly what we need in sport is more female athletes just raising that conversation about menstrual cycles because it also covers the the reason or the fact that we perform differently throughout our cycles and that's just a part of life as a female um so hopefully it helps to push that message as well but jumping into today's conversation about searching for external validation as females we really wanted to touch on this topic for many reasons but I think a lot of women feel a lot of pressure to find that validation externally to build up their self-worth, to make them feel worthy enough and validated that they belong in positions that they're in. Um, I think a lot of it is to do with the patriarchy and a lot of it is to do with the fact that females, I think, probably face imposter syndrome a lot more than males because of the patriarchy. So working through like why we feel that need to get external validation to to gain some sort of self-worth is crazy and something that we definitely are passionate about to break down those barriers and break down those walls so women can feel worthy in themselves and who they are. We're going to touch on a few different topics here, but I think the first one and probably the, one of the most important ones is searching for external validation and relationships. And I've definitely seen it time and time again, even in my own circle of friends, who really only feel worthy when they have a partner. And unfortunately, this is not their fault at all. It's just the way that the world has worked for many years now where women um, have been in a place in society where they feel they need a male to make them whole um, and that they have to rely on a male to complete them, which is really sad because I know we all know that women are worthy in themselves and we don't need a partner, um, whether that's a male or a female partner, to build us up to be, you know, um, a certain someone. We are a certain someone without them. So that need to find that external validation in a partner can really affect women's confidence and mental health. And I just find this really interesting. And I've actually spoken to my boyfriend about it because I I want to understand like, do men feel that same need for external validation in a relationship or or is it only females? And what did he say? <laughs> 
<laughs> he he actually said that no he doesn't think that his mates rely on their partners to make them feel whole like they they feel pretty good about themselves with or without their partners which is awesome for men but unfortunately women just I don't think are in the same boat yeah when I look back and like on history you know a woman's goal in life and when we say woman and male we mean you know obviously we're acknowledging that women are with women and women are non-binary with the non-binary and uh in that sense having a partner in some way to fill that void and make you feel worthy is what we're speaking of here but in terms of the patriarchy and how that's probably affected women I feel like how could you not think that to be worthy you had to have a man when back in the day all a woman's goal was was to find a suitable suitor who was of high class and da 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 all these lists of different things um and the higher class man you got or you know your partner how rich he was or how high status he was meant that you were like a better person or a better woman you know so I think if we look back in history that would have affected women's self-worth so much because their ultimate goal in life was to find a good partner have children and and buy a house and and do well socially so I think like breaking that down that's probably affected women very long term and how they look for partners to sort of I guess be whole or succeed in society but I think that is definitely changing now but I think also the way you spoke before about like getting that validation from someone else I think we really need to look more within and I know that when I was single I would be seeing a guy and it wouldn't it didn't work out or something happened and I felt like it was all my fault and like I wasn't worthy yeah like I didn't make the cut when really women should be the one you're interviewing them you know they're trying to impress you like we're going to need to look, take a step back it's not you're not worthy of their love it's that that person wasn't right for you but I think we also get caught up in like yeah wanting them to like us and then if they don't it's like a feeling of rejection as well so that that plays a big part in it but I think yeah we definitely need to look more within and and love ourselves more before looking for that validation from a partner and I honestly think me and Lids have both been talking about it recently like self-love I've heard all about it and like you know I know that it's really important but I genuinely didn't think that I don't think that I love myself enough until the last year of my life you know and and saying that I probably have seeked or looked for validation through my partners and my, my relationships and I think it's you know really common and then feeling like you're not worthy when things don't work out it happens all the time mm, I think it all comes back to like self-confidence and we talk about self-confidence all the time and we know for a fact that women lack a lot more self-confidence than men and it comes back to the patriarchy like we've grown up in a world where we've been told what we have to look like to be accepted you know our place in society what we have to do as careers what we have to wear it's like all these I guess opportunities to love ourselves and find ourselves get stripped away from us as females and growing up in the society we kind of put in a box told to sit down and shut up and that confidence in ourselves just gets lost over time so by not having confidence in who we are 
we try to find that confidence through other people. And I think we try to get that validation from other people to give us that confidence to make us feel worthy enough, which is so sad. But like, yes, you mentioned, like self-love is the most important thing. So if you can take your time to invest that energy into yourself and fall in love with yourself first, that's when you're going to fall in love and find the right person to fall in love with you too. So I've definitely been on my own journey and I've definitely been in a position where I try to find validation in the people around me, whether it's in romantic relationships or friendships. Um, And it has never ended well for me because I genuinely didn't love myself enough to find the right relationships and the right people for me. So putting that time into investing energy into yourself and figuring out truly who you are, believing in yourself, being confident in who you are and your place in society, which takes time. Like that's not an easy task to do. And all your life experiences give you opportunities to find that path and find out who you are. And it sucks, but sometimes the most painful experiences are the ones where you learn the most about yourself. But it's not until then that you can actually figure out who you are and love yourself for being that person and and then find someone who can be part of your journey with you, but you don't necessarily have to rely on them to fulfill a whole that doesn't exist, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. And I think I was listening to a podcast and I talked to you about it, Lids, and a couple of other girls that I coach at Femi and it was and also the mentor, uh, the mentees that we're talking to with the scholarship program. It's just such a good question that I think really hits home, like whether or not you speak to yourself nicely and if you, you know, to help you recognize what you're saying to yourself. It was a question that said, ask yourself, would you speak to or be with someone who speaks the way you do to yourself? So I thought about that and I was like, probably not. We constantly have thoughts going through our head. And if you're beating yourself up all the time, and saying horrible things to yourself about the way you look or uh, potentially something you said and you mucked up, you know, everyone, everyone mucks up and just taking a moment to acknowledge those thoughts and try to rethink in a positive way and look within rather than what's on the outside. uh, I think that's helped me a lot and just really focusing on that. Like I think even today, so I'm just putting it out there that me giving this like experience that I've been through, I'm nowhere near like, where I should be but like I'm taking steps in the right direction uh yeah I think just trying to acknowledge it and acknowledge if you would be with someone that speaks the way you speak to yourself is a really good step to like acknowledge how you're really speaking to yourself and and what you're saying over and over again Mm. so good and then I guess the next place where a lot of females go for validation is in social media And, you know, social media has really only been around for the last 10 years. And before social media, it was all about your social circles, who you were friends with, um, if you feel validated by your friendship groups, if you were in quote unquote popular, like there was a lot of that going on when I was at school. And that's what I was searching for, I guess, getting validation from my my social group at school Um, but now with social media you're trying to get validation from the entire world and I feel like a lot of people tie their self-worth to what is in social media and how many followers they have and how many likes they get and how much engagement they get which you know that's such a dangerous place to be because a 
a lot of that you can't even control. It comes down to nowadays algorithms that are completely controlled by the beast of the Instagrams and the Facebooks and the TikToks of the world. Um, but also your self-worth should not sit in something external like a social media platform. Your self-worth should sit within you as a person and your purpose and your values. Um, so when you tie your self-worth to a social media platform, you're literally spending time on that platform to find validation from other people to make you feel good about yourself, which is wrong. And I've been there and I know many people who have been there as well. It just can affect your mental health so severely. And I just think about the young girls growing up in this generation of this digital world where we're spending so much time on our phones, engaging with other people and other people's thoughts and feelings towards you. It's it's so quantitative. Like you can see the numbers. You can see how many people have liked that photo. You can see how many people who shared it, whatever. It's so like direct and obvious. Yeah, it could, I, I just believe that it can really affect young girls growing up and the pressure they must feel to find that validation on social media is so bad because it, I think it can really force you into a place where you are, are so disengaged and actually who you are as a person and and that's I think one of the worst things that can happen definitely and I think taking a step back and just realizing you know obviously Instagram for a long time it's fake you know like some some accounts post real stuff and they post like a side-by-side photo of like certain angles or or you know this is real life this is fake life but like 95% of accounts post fake lives and probably about 60% of them, if they've got a large following, have bought a lot of the followers and probably bought some of their likes. They may use editing tools and Facetune. And it's just, it's not that real. And I think for me, what's really helped with that side of things, because I definitely got caught up in Instagram and like wanted to be Insta famous for a while there. And now I don't care at all. Uh, but uh, I think for me, I was just taking a step back and seeing who I was following and assessing whether they like add any value to my life, whether they inspire me, whether they educate me or motivate me. And I was following girls who just looked good. It wasn't making me feel good. So I think I tried to fulfill those criteria with who I follow and it helped a lot. Uh, And just like, yeah, just recognizing that so much of that isn't real And I guess for me, trying to post a little bit more real as well and not making it so filtered and and fake because, yeah, your self-worth can get caught up in those numbers, especially when, you know, what's it now? I think the number one thing to be as a young person, their goal is to become famous online. So that just shows you how much it's now taken over young people's lives. And, yeah, it is quite scary. And we'll probably Mm. see the effects of it as we get older on, on the younger generations coming through. Yeah, I think there's some crazy stat from a research study a while ago now where back in the day uh, they did have been running the survey with young kids for the last 50 years. And I think they would say, I can't give you the specifics, I'd say 10 to 15 years ago they did the survey. And the most important thing for young kids was to um, have a social group and I think number 16 and 17 was to be rich and to be famous. And now it's completely flipped that I think one and two is to be famous and then to be rich. And I think it's number 16 or 17, which is 
to have a social group and have friends, which is so sad and crazy. And we just know that your friends or followers or whatever you want to call them on social media are not genuine friends. They're not truly your friends. You don't know them. You might even know them through, you know, expanded social groups, but you don't actually genuinely know them as people. And I also think when you think about the validation that people are looking for online, where they're trying to grow their social followings or get engagement high, we know that the algorithms work that a lot of the content that gets the most engagement is content that is a lot of skin, people posing certain ways, girls in bikinis. Um, we know that this content gets the most engagement online and it's directed by these social media platforms. So unfortunately, girls are getting sucked into this idea of sexualizing themselves and posting sexualized photos of themselves on their profiles because they think they know that that's probably going to get the most engagement, which it leads to many issues, as you can probably imagine. But the fact that girls are having to sexualize themselves just to feel validated just breaks my heart. And I think I wish we could take the algorithm and completely change it and change things up the way that people see content online. And I do think people are becoming a lot more aware of who they're following and how these people are benefiting them. But yeah, if we can allow people to drop that idea of finding validation through social media, then they're actually going to go within and um, hopefully feel more secure in who they are away from how many likes or followers they have. Yeah, it's not a healthy place to be. And I think we've both probably been there uh, when we didn't really understand Instagram and the effect it had on us. But hopefully people are starting to, yeah, become more aware. And I, I know a lot of young girls that I've talked to are aware and they know that when they go on TikTok, they don't feel good after and a lot of them have deleted the app but I know there's probably a lot of them out there a lot of young people out there who don't aren't that self-aware and aren't seeing the damage that it's doing to them long term so hopefully that can change uh I think just keeping things real as much as possible uh, mm. will help but um I know obviously the in fitness as well it's like such a such an easy place to get sucked into trying to find that validation and especially when you're in competitive sport because people value faster times and value success winning places uh how high you come in a race or you know that type of thing and that's you know because a lot of our society is based on success uh through times and places and that sort of thing uh but I think for me personally I I thought I had a healthy relationship with Strava <laughs> and then I got COVID uh, and I also didn't perform as well as I wanted to over track season. And I think that's when it clicked to me again, that I only have a healthy relationship with Strava when I'm running well, uh, and when I'm improving. So for me, that shows that, uh, potentially I was on there for validation and that when I was running well, when my times were good, when I felt good a lot of the time and I was getting kudos from people around me, I, I enjoyed it then and then now that I'm not really able to run much and my runs are slow and I feel unfit I wasn't enjoying it as much and I think for me that was like a, a wake-up call that I was using it for the wrong reasons and you know it was creating a really unhealthy relationship with wanting validation from my runs on Strava uh, I know you're not a very 
you're not a big fan <laughs> but it's why do you why do you find that uh or what what's your opinion about Strava come from yeah I think because I have always run and I think even since my late teens I've really run because it makes me feel good and it makes my mental health really good especially when I went through a tough period with my mental health my late teens running was kind of what saved me and then when this digital world of running started growing and Strava started becoming a thing I think the idea of people having an input and seeing every single run I go on and having a say or an opinion on that run it just didn't make sense to me like I think um, I think the idea of tracking your training obviously is great for you personally to see your progress. I think counting your Ks is great to make sure you're not like increasing too quickly or decreasing too quickly, whatever. Um, I think there's definitely benefits of looking at your own training, but I think the idea of looking at other people's training and getting consumed by other people's training, as well as consumed by the idea that everyone else is seeing your training can be really dangerous. I think there it it comes with this level of expectation that people are going to be judging you and people are going to be looking at you and you end up, I've definitely seen it. Yeah. A lot of my friends and communities that I've run in have become so obsessed with the platform that they actually end up not even running for themselves. They end up running for other people. And I remember one of my friends, I encouraged her because I could tell she wasn't having a a healthy relationship with running. I encouraged her to get off Strava and the day she got off Strava, she said, oh, I don't think I'll even run today. Like, what's the point? Pretty much like referring to the fact that it wasn't going to go on Strava. So what was the point in running? And to me, that just validated everything I already kind of thought about Strava, that people, a lot of people just run to put numbers on a board and to impress people and to look for that external validation through kudos and likes and comments. Um, Running is something, and I've always preached it, people should build a really sustainable, really healthy relationship with running and exercise in general so that they can do it do it for the rest of their lives. There's so many benefits that come from exercising and specifically running that if you dig yourself into a hole trying to impress other people by putting up stats and data that you think impresses them, you won't build a healthy relationship and you won't want to do it for the rest of your life and you will either get injured or burnt out and that's what breaks my heart you know and like especially with our female athletes all I want is for them to be enjoying running and doing it for the right reasons and I just I just really think that digital training platforms like Estrava can can really impact their relationship with running and with themselves. Definitely and like you said some people and a lot of women can get sucked into numbers and like you know we've heard it all before women that count calories or and become obsessed with how many calories they burn a day and it can be really unhealthy it's the same thing with running and your data like I when I was coming back from COVID I I ran two two weeks I think I ran like 48 k's a week or something and I was like the next week I was like I'm gonna run like 60 and then I was counting them in my head how many k's a day I would have to run to get to 60 and then my body was just like, no, you're not doing it. And I felt let down because I'd put that expectation on myself to hit those numbers so that it would show up on Strava. And I was like, damn, like, that's so ridiculous. Why does it matter? First of all, I'm trying to get healthy again. Like I should need to step away from that. And I think you in a healthy state, you can get sucked into that probably even more because you're able to actually hit those numbers 
and become obsessed with them. So I think acknowledging your own personality as well is a really big part of it. And I think that I have an obsessive personality with numbers and I know that I was looking for validation through Strava and like seeing my weekly Ks and like other people seeing it as well. Uh, So for me, I know that that's dangerous and it's something that, um, yeah, I've stepped away from for a while now. Just, just while I get better and while I get my mind right as well, I just need, I can't have that pressure to impress other people at the moment because I know that like internally I need to look after myself and I shouldn't be looking for that anyway. So mm. I think acknowledging that everybody can become obsessed in those senses is it's quite a scary, scary, scary place to be. Yeah, I think like if you are someone that likes likes following your own progress and likes the fact that Strava does that for you, we're not saying get off it completely, but if you're someone that feels like you are searching for that validation from other people and you're forcing yourself to go out for runs when you're tired or you're, you have, you feel like you've got a niggle or you're not in a position to do so, but you're going out there purely just to put some numbers on the board for that day so other people can see them, that's a massive one. Like maybe just relook at your relationship with the platform and your relationship with running. I think even professionals like elite best of the best runners out there you know if they have a day where they don't feel good and they need to take more recovery they'll take their recovery because they know that's right for their body you know then I look at this social community of runners all around the world who it's awesome to see all these people getting after their training but they're so sucked into the social platform that they end up just like forcing themselves to do runs that they don't actually need to be doing or aren't right for them or they're pushing themselves too hard in a session just to impress other people it just is so wrong it actually blows my mind that people will go in and analyze other people's heart rate and analyze their splits and it's just it blows my mind because I think we've grown up in this quite pure world of running that is like we run for our mental health and we're competitive athletes and that's kind of the end of it you know like you work with your coach and you do your training but now there's this whole other world of running that people are just having essay and input into other people's training and yeah I just don't think it's very healthy or sustainable so I'm interested to see and hear from other listeners their opinions on this I did put up a post last week about this on Instagram and there was a lot of feedback around it and I would say most of the feedback has come from women I'd say 90% of the feedback has come from women which is really interesting I think Potentially men enjoy the platform and the competitiveness a little bit more, but I think women are probably a little bit more self-aware when it comes to what is actually right for them. And a lot of women are stepping away, but yeah, the validation aspect of trying to find validation in other people through your own movement, which is something you should be doing for yourself when it comes down to it. Like at the end of the day, exercise is something you should be doing for yourself to look after your physical and mental health. It just frustrates me that people are doing it to impress other people like do it for yourself because it makes you feel good don't do it to put numbers on the board and get some sort of um, feeling of validation through kudos definitely and I think even like racing certain races because you think you have to do it and I think we've talked about it a lot with me and track I feel like I need to race track because I'm a track runner and my you know or like I've always been a track. I've always been on the track and had that as part of my running journey. But what am I really doing it for? You know, I don't say that I particularly enjoy it anymore, 
uh, on the track. So I think, you know, I was probably searching for or looking externally in that sense that I felt like I had pressure to continue to run on the track. And I just need to look internally and be like, what do I actually enjoy about running? I enjoy a really fun atmosphere with lots of people around. So like road races or even cross country, like big races. Um, but I don't enjoy that you're on a track. It's really exposed. It's the fastest people in New Zealand. And yeah, it's just so much pressure. And I think looking inside at actually what I want to do, you know, I don't want to do that anymore. And it's, it's such, it's, I feel like when I was doing it, I was, yeah, looking for validation that I was still a track athlete when really in my mind, I think I'd taken, I'd taken a step off the track, if that makes sense. Mm. Yeah, it does. And I think it's all tied into your identity, your own self-worth, the confidence in yourself and knowing that you don't need external validation to be worthy. You are worthy as a person yourself. You just need to get to a point where you truly believe that and are confident in who you are. I quickly Googled validation and it all comes down to self-validation and, and self-validation is accepting your own internal experience, your thoughts and your feelings, which is, yeah, spot on. I think, you know, that validation needs to come from ourselves. Like we don't and shouldn't rely on other people to make us feel validated. So it's a journey to get there. And like I said, at the start, I feel like every experience you go through, whether it's a good experience or a bad experience, it's teaches you more about yourself your values and what you truly believe in and in turn that allows you to build your confidence in who you are as a person so work through those challenges and work through those experiences and learn a little bit more about yourself every single day and then I think you'll be able to get to a point where you are confident in who you are and you will stop searching for that external validation definitely and and when you're thinking about doing something think about why you're doing it because I think that's a really important part of the piece. Like I said, with the track stuff, I was doing it probably to look like a track athlete or, you know, those reasons rather than because I actually wanted to do it. So I think and any action you do, think about why you're doing it. Are you doing it to help someone else or are you doing it uh, to impress other people? And just start by that as well. I think that's a really good way to, to even acknowledge, you know, why you're choosing an action and if that's for validation or is that for your own self-validation couldn't have said it better myself <laughs> well that is all we have for uh you all today thank you so much for listening to us uh we have put out there to hear back from you from our listeners in this episode so if you can and are willing to share your own experiences hit us up on Instagram at femi.co or you can even send us an email on our website at femi.co. We are here and more than happy to listen and learn from you as well. But yeah, thank you so much for joining us and we will be back in your ears next week. What? <laughs>